Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> we have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1990 Christmas classic, Home Alone. It's a lot of great music in this. Oh my gosh. John Williams, yeah. The score, or I, I guess the uh, the original song, Somewhere in My Memory, by John Williams, was actually nominated for an Oscar. Wow. And he was nominated for uh, Best Music for Original Score, yeah, so... Uh, that guy knows music. He must listen to the commercials for now. That's what I call music, and just go, <laughs> "Oh really? Oh really? <laughs> well, this is what I call." <laughs> I would love for John Williams to come out with a, "Well, this is what I call music." It's just all of his <laughs> film scores. I would also love to hear a kids' bop of John Williams scores. <laughs> Just where all of it's a middle school band. Try, yeah, it's like kazoo's and things like that. Oh my gosh. Kids band. (laughs) I love it. Oh goodness. Um, So this movie is a Christmas classic on the slight chance that you haven't seen this movie um, or you are um, a resident of, ah, dang it. Rhode Island? <laughs> I didn't know how you are going to finish that sentence. I was going to finish it like this because there is um, a country or like where they play Home Alone like it's their job. Um, it's like a Christmas classic for like it's, it airs on public television like every year. And it's just like a tradition for this country and I just don't know where it is. Is it the country of TNT? Because <laughs> they know drama. They do know drama. Uh, oh, and Poland. There it goes. Poland. Oh. So every year since Home Alone was released, main TV stations aired Home Alone, and they've aired it every single year. Um, and like many people in Poland can't imagine Christmas without Kevin. And even in the event that no station is planning to show the movie... Uh, stations are flooded with mail and petitions until one station agrees to broadcast the movie. Especially, a proverb was coined, Kevin on TV? Question mark. It must be Christmas coming. I think that's how the translation fits in. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's basically the Polish equivalent to It's a Wonderful Life in America. Oh. Yeah, so like... All that to say, on the off chance you don't live in Poland uh, or America, see, the joke was even worth it. Uh, <laughs> so does that mean Macaulay Culkin's like a national hero in Poland? Absolutely. That's or at least a, a Christmas hero. Huh. I'd be interested to know if he's ever gone there. Oh, that would be amazing. And he's so- celebrated like Santa himself. <laughs> so Macaulay Culkin, uh, I know you're listening. Let us know. Uh, we are at Flashback Flicks on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know if you've ever been to Poland. Appreciate you. Um, Just a yes or no would be helpful. <laughs> Cole Culkin, uh, no. <laughs> um, so, in case you haven't seen Home Alone, here's a brief synopsis. 
Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, is an eight-year-old boy from an affluent suburb family in Chicago. He's a normal, active, kind of like youngest kid in the family, but he feels like the family doesn't notice him. And during the holidays, the extended family comes into town, and they're like, we're going to go to Paris, and there are so many kids here. So in the midst of the shuffle, he gets left home alone. Roll credits. Um, But... It's great. It's a good thing that he is left home alone because two bandits, known as the Wet Bandits, try to break into his house. So, to borrow a phrase from uh, Don LaFontaine in the trailer of Home Alone, Yesterday, he was just a kid, but tonight, he's a home security system. That was really good. Thank you. Rest in peace, Don LaFontaine. I hope I did your legacy well. Um... And so, yeah, that's the premise of the movie, uh, and it came out in 1990, and it was a wild success all over the place. It hit the Guinness Book of World Records, because at the time, it was the most popular family film, getting five over $500 million worldwide. Wow. Yeah. And the movie actually came about because of Uncle Buck. And National Lampoon's mm. Christmas Vacation. And we've also talked about the inspiration for John Candy's character in Planes, Trains, 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 and, and Automobiles. Automobiles. Different character, but the inspiration was from that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this movie is directed by Chris Columbus, who, after working with uh, Chevy Chase on National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation, he's like, listen... You got any other projects? Because I don't really want to work with him again. And he's like, well, I got Home Alone to John Hughes. <laughs> he's like, well, I got Home Alone. He's like, I'll take it. And uh, John Hughes actually recommended Macaulay Culkin because of him working with him on uh, Uncle Buck. But he's like, ah, well, I don't want to be a pushover. Like, I, I want to be a real Hollywood director. So hmm. he actually went through auditions. And then he finally settled on Macaulay Culkin because he was the best uh part for the role and uh nice. and i didn't realize that that was a relationship between chris columbus and chevy chase oh they they like after working together they just did not work well together mm. so chris columbus is the original dan Harmon. <laughs> he is he is except i don't anticipate dan Harmon directing any harry potter films anytime soon <laughs> The, Even oh though gosh, I'd love oh. to see it. <laughs> it was written by John Hughes, and on the DVD copy that I have of this movie, it made John Hughes from such notable movies as 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> that's, yes, no. that's on my DVD. It says, John Hughes, parentheses, 101 Dalmatians. I'm like, that's the one? That's the movie. <laughs> Not Uncle Buck. Not any of the, like, Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller. None of those movies that are closer to this. You go with 101 Dalmatians. I'm sure somebody has done this. Um, I'm not going to look it up right now. But if you're listening and you know where I could get my hands on this, I would love to see a chronological mesh of all the John Hughes Chicago-based movies. Uh, to see if there's a way to like put them in the same universe all together, because we did Ferris Bueller, uh, 
Breakfast Club, which I've been wanting to do from the start, has all that takes place in Chicago as well. This is Chicago. That's kind of like John Hughes's go-to city for most yeah, of his planes, films. Trains, automobiles. Um, yeah, yeah, they're trying to trying to get there from New York. Um, so yeah, it'd be cool to see how that all maps together, and if there are any uh, crossovers that have kind of been undiscovered. Oh, yeah. Well, I have some theories about that in headcanon. I'm sure oh, you do. Oh yeah, I do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so this movie uh it became a beloved fam- family comedy um and this really did make Macaulay Culkin a celebrity. I mean, he made his I want to say his first appearance in mm-hmm. Uncle Buck um because he was pretty young. Uh but he, so so very talented. Yeah. Um and uh Chris Columbus also later ended up directing Mrs. Doubtfire by Saint- by Centennial Man and the first two Harry Potter's movies. Um, and mm-hmm. this movie was also so successful uh, that it was the biggest hit of that year, only behind Star Wars and E.T. as the third highest grossing film in history at the time. And because of something like that, you're going to get some sequels. So the yeah. first sequel, Home Alone 2, colon, Lost in New York, uh, was basically oh. the same thing except New York antics. Um, yeah, I like that they had escaped as well because it connects it to the first movie without rehashing too right. much of the first movie. Yeah, and like we talked about um, in our review of A Muppet Christmas Carol, this movie, or the sequel did so well that um, the Muppets movie actually got pushed back a little because home alone Two: lost in New York was so big at the time. And so, uh, and that home alone Two became the third highest grossing film of 1992 only behind Aladdin and the bodyguard. Well, and it's a testament to how well home alone did that. So much of the original cast and crew would come back for the sequel. Yeah. And then um, it was a testament to how, well, Home Alone 2 did that no one came back for 3 um, or 4 or 5. That's right. There are 5 Home Alone movies. There is Home Alone 3 um, that doesn't deal with Kevin at all. Uh, it stars um, that one kid from that thing. Yeah, Alex Pruitt is the character's name. Um the kid is Alex D. Linz. So it's one of those child actors that can only respond if his character <laughs> is the same name as his actual name. Uh, yeah. And so that one now ups the ante by having four villains trying to break into the house. They're working for a North Korean terrorist group. And they're sent by their boss to receive a top secret microchip that can act as a cloaking device for a missile. Because in Home Alone 3... If there's anything people want, it is that. Uh, Are you sure you're not reading the synopsis for 24? You know what? That's right. It's 24 taking back the house. (laughs) No, but that's like the... (laughs) Taking back my country. That's the real uh, synopsis for Home Alone 3. Um, Then Home Alone 4, colon, taking back the house... Uh, was uh. the fourth installment. This one did not get a theatrical release, and the other one did. Um, but it premiered on television 
uh, as a TV film for ABC. And this movie, I didn't know that they did this because French Stewart is in it. Like It's like an all new cast. And I'm thinking, okay, great. So it's about a completely different kid. Before we start recording, Grayson brought it to my attention that this is about Kevin. It's a sequel about mm-hmm. Kevin from the first two movies. But not only is he now like a very like brunette haired young boy, he almost looks younger than Kevin. Um and well, Buzz too. Buzz is like a little kid. Yeah, and it's just it, it doesn't make any sense. The premise is Kevin and one of the two sticky bandits, Marv, played by French Stewart, um, are in the movie. But Kevin's parents have divorced, and he lives with his mother, and he decides to go spend Christmas with his father and his rich girlfriend, Natalie, uh, but finds himself having to deal with his old nemesis, Marv, and his new sidekick wife, well, good for Merv, uh, Vera, p- played by Missy Pyle, and the whole shtick for this movie is that Kevin's dad lives in a really big smart house where you can voice activate everything. Like, door open, bookshelf open sesame, and he lives in a smart house. So they have smart antics to follow. And so then you would think, okay, I think they're done. It's 2002. Let's because that movie came out in 2002, by the way. So that you think, okay, we're done with Home Alone. Let's just leave it alone. Ten years later. <laughs> Ten years later, ABC Family said, "You know what? We're gonna bring it back one more time for Home Alone: colon, The Holiday Heist, starring Christian Martin, Jodie Fairland." A Furland, a Malcolm McDowell, Debbie Mazar, and Eddie Steeples. And the story centers around uh, a family's relocation from California to Maine, like you do, uh, where uh, Finn, the boy uh, who is the Home Alone E, uh, becomes convinced that his new house is haunted. When his parents uh, become stranded across town, Finn sets up traps to catch his home's ghosts, but instead proves troublesome for a group of three thieves, McDowell, Mazar, and Steeples. So it's kind of like an episode of Scooby-Doo, but Mm. around the holidays. It's called the Holiday Heist, but aren't they all Holiday Heists? Yeah, but this is the Holiday Heist. The The heist to end all Holiday Heists. (laughs) Yeah. And that was only four years ago. That means they could still be making another one. It does mean exactly that. It only works if they bring back Macaulay Culkin. Absolutely. Like, if the old, Okay, we'll save this for the later segments. But yes, right. I completely agree. Huh. So, uh, there are tons of fun facts and um, other things to go into this uh, movie. Um, including how the original script was originally about how the uncle was kind of played a role into the wet bandits robbing the house like he was like their inside man almost oh uncle Um, frank uncle frank in the original script but they changed it later on um and and how the the shot where he shoots uh marv in the head Mm -hmm. that was like hand rotoscoped um by an editor 
for like 80 bucks. Like oh. that whole thing was like rotoscoped for this guy who like was just doing work in his basement at the time. Um, like that effect took, it was like cost like 80 bucks, but the movie ended up being so successful that the guy's like, no, I shouldn't have done it. no. <laughs> I'd like to send you a second invoice <laughs> if I may. Um, and how, um, yeah, there are just several, several fun facts. Um, and if we can get to them, we will. But just know that this movie is just riddled with so much trivia and mm. fun knowledge and history that uh, unfortunately we won't be able to get to all of it. Um, but we will sprinkle as much as we can throughout the review. Yeah, uh, this review could be longer than the movie itself with all the trivia that exists. Yes. So we'll just go yeah. with it. I think my favorite piece, though, and what I'd like to kick it off with is that Kevin's stunt double was just a short 30-year-old man. Yep. I was convinced that we actually already reviewed this movie because I knew, yep. like, I just had all these different factoids popping up in my brain. Like, while I'm watching the movie, I'm just thinking, wait, I, I know that, like, for this final scene for all the snow, they like, using a whole bunch of coconuts. Like, just a whole bunch of shaved coconuts to make the snow happen. Um, That's pretty standard as a Hollywood effect, though. Yeah. So it doesn't melt, yeah. And the whole thing about, like, when they almost hit Kevin, when the wet bandits almost hit Kevin uh, with the car, that that was done in reverse. Um, oh, yeah. And he had to, like, scream in reverse, basically. Um, <laughs> and I just remember, like, all these different things. And, like, just, like I was convinced that we saw this and reviewed this movie already. Um, but I here we are. <laughs> um a really cool thing that i didn't realize the first time i saw it or any other previous time i saw it is that kevin's passport and itinerary gets covered in milk yeah i never saw that either it gets thrown away i'm like oh this movie is so solid and then like just for the first half of the movie i'm just like in awe of how many setups and payoffs there are throughout this movie because it's mm-hmm. so tight. Just like, here's this beat. Kevin's itinerary gets thrown away. And then he gets miscounted because the neighbor kid is bugging them. I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, everything is purposeful, which I never really caught before. But if you go through and you track everything that appears at least twice in the film you start to make those connections like the the when he's running away from the van and he hides in the nativity scene that's just to establish the local church so he can have the scene with old man marley later yep and it's there's stuff like that throughout the entire movie that makes it feel really cohesive when it could have felt like just a series of like five minute sketches absolutely and uh and i always forget how we as a culture keep on like misquoting Home Alone, because that that whole um, movie, R-rated movie that he's not supposed to watch, Angels with Filthy Souls, yep. um, the line is, keep the change, you filthy animal. And But I see everywhere, they're just like, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Who says that? I don't know. Stop <laughs> saying that. I've seen a ton of like tacky uh, Christmas sweaters with that like embroidered on it. But he uses the line when he's giving the tip to the pizza guy. Right. But I, I just became a phrase that's like associated, like misassociating with uh, Home Alone. Like, I guess it's just like a blend of the two. 
just like a nod yeah. to Home Alone, but that's why I thought it was for a while until the scene came up and I was just like, Mer- oh, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> it's Keep the Change, which, fun fact, there is an awesome Vanity Fair article that we will link in the show notes that talks about the making of the Home Alone gangster movie because that's not from a real movie. They completely remade that whole scene just for oh, the movie. Really? Yeah. And uh, But it's a nod to um, movies of that style called, uh, I want to say like Angels with uh, a Dark Past or something. Yeah, the original was Angels with Dirty Faces Dirty 1938 faces. starring James Cagney. Yeah, Cagney. Which is why Marv says, but one of the voices sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like a Cagney reference. And speaking of him saying that, guess who Daniel Sturz, who plays Marv, guess who he used the voice of? Uh, pass. The narrator from The Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that at all. That was so cool. Been listening to him for decades. <laughs> I really like Daniel Stern. I wish he was in more stuff. Oh. I think he's really funny. He is a treat. Like him and uh, Joe Pesci as a duo were mm-hmm. perfect. And fun fact with that, um, Daniel Sturz, they wanted him. Uh, it was Daniel Sturz. They wanted him originally, but they couldn't afford him. But then they tried casting someone who had like no chemistry with Joe Pesci. <laughs> and the studio was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll pay him. <laughs> and they got I would have loved it if they could have gotten... Uh... Robert De Niro or Ray Liotta. Oh my god! It just would have been a a, a crossover. Yep. From uh, Goodfellas. It would have been perfect. But we're not reviewing Goodfellas, <laughs> even though we should. Uh, totally. Um, last little cameo that I noticed. Um, Larry Hankin, the donut yeah. cop. Yeah. He's. A f- I love some Hankin. Oh man, you might recognize him from Billy Madison. As a it's Carl, right? Carl, that's right. Carl, yeah. Um, he's also the uh, downstairs neighbor in Friends. Yeah, he's Mr. Heckles. Or if you watch the original Annie, he's the dog catcher. I remember that because I played the dog catcher <laughs> in my high school production of Annie. Wow. So I studied the movements of Larry Hankin to really <laughs> capture the character. That is amazing. Uh, Larry Hankin is one of those actors that will just, he'll pop up anywhere, and it's always a pleasure when he does. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I, the thing that I really love about this movie that I feel like you, that I think I just miss from movies as a whole is not only is this movie just so, like, neatly woven together, because it's like a tapestry, like, Mm -hmm. like, just everything that they set up and pay off is just so beautiful but like this movie really takes the time to um develop the heart of it like it's a kids movie that has morals for everyone um and it's not i don't feel like it panders to kids as much as i thought it would kind of going into it because like the whole like home invasion scene only lasts for like 15 minutes like it's the it's like 15 minutes in the very final scene 
or in the last like half hour of the movie and it's 15 minutes and then the last 15 minutes is them being arrested and having the lovely family moment of them coming home i just thought it was so cool how they took the time to add in the story with um the neighbor um mr um old man marley yeah old man marley like i thought that that was such a cool story to have be woven in and how kevin this is like a really a coming of age story for kevin Mm -hmm. like he's growing up and kind of coming into his own and realizing that he loves his family like as dysfunctional as they are he he loves them and he cares about them and he misses them um and he starts to take in his own responsibility and he starts to be more responsible instead of just being the little helpless kid he starts making choices for himself you know, and he and he uses his strengths to his advantage, like all the little traps and things that he set up. I, I mean, spoiler alert for my head cannon, but he he becomes an engineer <laughs> because <laughs> he, uh, he the things that he was able to set up and like test out in that short amount of time is nothing short of a mind of an engineer. Mm-hmm. And going back to the the setups and payoffs that we mentioned earlier, um, a lot of his inventions are teased in dialogue throughout the movie. For example, mm-hmm. in the chaos setting, like before they're getting ready to eat the pizza, his dad says, hey, clean up your micro machines. Your aunt almost broke her neck slipping on one of those. Yep. And that inspires the idea to put them in the front yeah. later. In fact, I think he says it in the location that he ends up putting the micro machines. Yep. Um, so, yeah. It's cool to see how all of that fits together. And I, I don't know if you remember this, when we were reading those like screenwriting textbooks in college, mm-hmm. um, Home Alone was consistently referenced as an example of this is what good looks like. It was like, it was always Star Wars, Witness with Harrison Ford, and Home Alone. <laughs> those are like the big three. Yeah, totally. And, and it makes sense because like one of the things that um, they talk about um, – in like film writing is um writing action well Mm -hmm. and there's so much of this movie where it's action heavy where there's like almost like no dialogue happening but you just see kevin doing things that represent so much and i think you're you're right about that It, it does represent something each thing he does isn't just like madcap antics um it it actually shows growth like you were talking about like he grows a ton as a person and uh even the the way that he thinks about uh the different spaces of the house like there's obviously the thing where he's scared of the furnace but instead of avoiding the basement the basement becomes a really important part of his plan um and he's able to set up some of his like most nefarious traps there yeah except for the blowtorch which is in the kitchen and it's by far the scariest (laughs) oh absolutely yeah i i just i'm so impressed especially with like how it starts out and he he's really excited about being home alone um roll credits uh he (laughs) he has a point where he's just like i'm home by myself and then he starts, ha- starts having like the flashbacks of all the mean things everyone said. He's like, "I'm home by myself," and then he starts like partying and like having a good time. But then he watches the movie Angels with Filthy Souls, and he calls for his mom, and that's like the first moment yeah. where he realizes like, "Oh, 
I guess I do miss him. And then, um, I don't know if you notice this, but throughout the film, he has full reign of the house, but when he is by himself, he never goes back to his room. He sleeps in his parents' Interesting. bedroom. What was his room, though? Because he was he was up in that attic space, but that's not his room, because he goes, the third floor? Like, that's not where he's used to going. Right. I don't know. I, I don't think we actually ever see his room. I know we see Buzz's room and then his um, parents' room, but we yeah. we know that he's just not in his room. Right. Huh. Yeah. I wonder how many of the actors thought that they were going to be the one to get to say the title of the movie, and then when they saw the final edit, they realized, oh, wait, like seven of us said Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, well, he's home alone. All right, it's been a great rap, everyone. Because <laughs> the way Joe Pesci says it at the door, you could tell. He's like, we know you're home, and you're all alone. <laughs> that one was for the trailer, right? We, I did yeah. that line for the trailer. Uh, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> it won't sound like that in the real thing, right? <laughs> well, fun fact, uh, uh, Pesci and uh, the Stearns, they didn't expect this movie to be as good as it was so they definitely yeah. played it up they're like this isn't gonna be like a wildly successful movie that uh poland will love and adore for years <laughs> to come <laughs> but i think the way they played it is perfect because there there are so many subdued uh like touching scenes which is really bizarre for a, a movie that focuses so much on a child actor for it to be more subdued um, than just craziness. But you have scenes like him and Old Man Marley in the church where it's like a very important scene where the, both characters are growing together and there's nothing wacky happening. There's organ music or choir music going on in the background. And they're just talking about characters that we've never seen before, but it works because you have that juxtaposition with the, the energy that Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci bring. I think it's just a... a a testament to um, John Hughes's vision and his style of writing that focuses on the people in the situations um, mm -hmm. rather than it just being of the situation. Like the reason why, you know, planes, trains and automobiles is such a fun and funny movie is because we have these two um, characters who have opposite personalities, but the same goal in mind and how they interact with each other. It's not so much about the transportation as it is the character's desires being met and not met across the country, basically. Mm -hmm. Or I guess a couple of states because it's New York to Chicago. I know what maps are. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you the count of 10 before I blow you away. One, two, 10 head cannon. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> Tis Stop the saying that. <laughs> Tis the season, you filthy animal. Uh, so, Headcanon is the part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, so, I want to start out with the obvious Headcanon. Um, Kev Kevin growing up. Mm-hmm. My headcanon about Kevin is that like he did grow up to become an engineer um, and that he 
uh, two uh, ended up wedded with a child. And so my headcanon is that Kevin's son is season one loop for Modern Family. It's been Dang great. It. You've been great. Good night, everybody. Dang it, Ricky. <laughs> was that literally... <laughs> Is there any more? No, that was my recast and remake. Uh, oh, no, I mean, that can... I see. I'm sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We said the name. That's all that counts. It's in there. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but so my other headcanon... Because um, I don't know if you guys know, uh, there is a a comedy short... Um, that has Kevin growing up, um, because I guess he is technically a millennial, um, and becoming a Lyft driver and, uh, ends up having, he just has this really tortured and really kind of like damaged past. Like he was really mentally messed up from all the events that happened in Home Alone 1 and 2. So... And I guess technically three or four. <laughs> um, and then he just kind of lost it and slowly but surely uh, starts torturing people in these Saw-like scenarios. So my headcanon is that is true. Nice. Not nice, but interesting. <laughs> Now's the part where I say my headcanon. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I... Don't have anything crazy like Marv and Harry were the same person. Uh, but my headcanon is sweet and simple. That in the church scene, when Kevin is speaking with old man Marley, and old man Marley asks Kevin, that's my granddaughter, she's about your age, do you know her? That is the first time that Kevin sees her, and they grow up, and they get married. And old man Marley becomes his grandfather-in-law. And that, kids, is how I met your mother. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Because at first, I thought it would have been an interesting twist if uh, I had never considered this before, watching it for the purpose of headcanon, but... but I thought it would have been an interesting twist if there's like the old man Marley character. He has the the talk with Kevin about like, well, I want to talk to my son. I, I haven't talked to him in years. Uh, I just kind of stay on the fringes of his life. Like that whole idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he lives next door and, and all that. Uh, and then the reveal is that he is actually Kevin's dad's father. Uh, oh, Wow. It gets a little into, like, stalking the family, which isn't great. But just to be, like, he comes up and the whole family comes home. And the, the old man Marley's there because he saved Kevin. Uh, and the John Hurd or Peter McAllister just looks at old man Marley and goes, Dad, what are you doing here? Like, that kind of thing. That and would be like, great. Oh. It's his grandpa. I love that. Oh man, I didn't think that that could that that would make the movie even tighter. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he just wanted to stay close, and he's been watching over them from afar. Wow, that's beautiful. Well done. But 
that would be problematic if Kevin ended up marrying that little redhead girl. And you ruined it. You <laughs> ruined it. Second headcanon, uh, I guess uh, 2.5, is that um, Kevin is the human embodiment of Charlie Brown. Oh, nice. Uh, I know there's no dog or anything like that, but uh, just the way that everybody seems to blame Kevin and hate Kevin, especially during major holidays, um, and uh, the fact that there's an absence of parents being around, um, very Charlie Brown-esque. Even the way he walks uh, with the shopping bags and then like the bottoms break out of it. Um, and the way that he speaks to himself is also very Charlie Brown like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw a lot of similarities there. So. Oh, totally. He would be great for a live action Charlie Brown movie. So, whoever invents the time machine, know that this is one, like, item 17 on your list. Like, go back, make a live action Charlie Brown movie with Kit Holy Colkin. I think for my other headcanon and the thing, because I, I really wanted to try to um, get Kevin's mom to, oh, there it goes. Figured it out just now. So Kevin's mom and mm-hmm. Lydia's mom from Beetlejuice are sisters. So that would make Lydia and Kevin cousins. Yeah. Why didn't they take Lydia to Paris? Because uh, she's a weirdo. <laughs> She'd love it there. Because I think Uncle Frank was Peter's brother, right? Right. Yeah, because he was yeah. like, yeah, my husband's brother came into town, and words, 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 there are 14 children in this household, or 11. That, huh. So that could have been the the ghost version that they did in Home Alone 5. <laughs> it's like, we think our house is haunted. Oh, it's probably just burglars. Nope, it's Beetlejuice. Jump in the line. Talk about it. Dance. Ah, perfect. Lydia would be like, where'd you get all these great mannequins? <laughs> that was another cool thing that I realized uh, this time. is like the mannequins were in the basement. And that Michael Jordan uh, cutout was in Buzz's room. I'm just like, man, mm. this is so perfectly set up. Like all these things we've seen before. And it was yeah. just well done. Speaking of seen before, that technically makes this our second Michael Jordan film. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, here it is. If Michael Jordan makes an appearance in any movie, it ties it directly to Space Jam. <laughs> because Michael Jordan's a real person, and he played himself in Space Jam. Space Jam takes place in the same universe as Home Alone, which makes sense because of all the loony antics and how these guys survive getting bludgeoned and almost killed. Like, like <laughs> there's a video online saying that there's no way that these guys would have survived, like, half of that. Well, even, I mean, the, the one that gets me, I know the blowtorch is pretty terrible, but the crowbar to the ribs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like that's it, you have some internal bleeding right? yeah how do you stand up from that and how did like even if they survived the night how did like how did harry not just die in prison <laughs> with all the internal damage that had to have been done well i'll tell you i think they took a trip to looney tune land mm. because like we talked about like the 
air or like whatever it is being in Looney Tune land makes your body different. Like Michael Jordan could stretch. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Newman. What's his name? Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Thank you. Wayne Knight can get like squashed, like completely flattened and then just comedically get pumped back up and then like be completely fine. Except Bill Murray still gets sore knees. <laughs> How does that work? Uh, I think it has to do with like the duration of like time that you're in there. Because they were in there a really long time, but Bill Murray just popped in. I know you just made that up, but that was a brilliant justification. Why, thank you. <laughs> it's like The amount of elasticity <laughs> is directly related to the duration of time spent in the Looney Tune land. Here's my pie chart. All right, so if you look over here. Oh my gosh, everybody. It's literally made of pies. <laughs> now it's time to go into the part of the show where we talk about recasts and remake. If this movie were to be remade, um, who would we cast and what would the storyline be? This movie, like we said, has been, uh, it has a lot of sequels. But I, if we were to remake the original Home Alone, I would definitely have none other than um kermit the frog playing kevin (laughs) just because i think that the muppets like we saw with the muppet christmas carol can kind of do no wrong so i say kermit f's kevin no one else everyone else (laughs) are actors kermit is kevin Although I think if Kermit was Kevin, then the premise of the movie would be that he's trying to get all of the other Muppets to leave the house because he just wants to be alone for the first time in his life. He's around these people all the time. We work together. We live together. Some of you are in a band together. It's too much. Or he gets locked in the theater alone. (laughs) Yep. Uh, If I were to recast... uh, the original film with modern day actors i would i just gotta do it kevin would be season one luke for modern family of course like there's nobody else <laughs> there's nobody else. they tried like two other kids one to actually play kevin and then another one to play someone else in the franchise well i would i would recast him with his own 30 year old stunt double <laughs> and then <laughs> Um, yes, but for uh, for Joe Pesci's character, I would—I mean, Joe Pesci is still great, so he could do it if he wanted. I, but uh, for Harry, I would uh, have Danny DeVito, of course, and then for Marv, I would have Chris Pratt. Ooh, that would be a ton of fun. Or you- Michael Richards, because he hasn't been doing much lately. But they do have similar like body types. But then for old man Marley, uh, I I would have Brian Cranston. <laughs> oh yes, like just imagine everyone just Brian Cranston just looking over at you and people being <laughs> terrified of him. I haven't seen my son in thirty five <laughs> years. Uh, well, here you know would be actually really interesting. Um, well. One of two things I just noticed. One, there's never been a female lead for uh, the Home Alone franchise. And you know who would have mm. been great? That uh, Pepsi girl from the Pepsi commercials. Oh, yeah. Pepsi girl. <laughs> Good old Pepsi girl. 
or young Dakota Fanning. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, Dakota Fanning would have been the choice. Yeah, like I Am Sam era. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, broke my heart. She just deals with crisis really well. <laughs> she really does. The um, you know who I think would be great. Uh, have you seen the show Blackish with on ABC? I have not. So no. they they have these Anthony Anderson, right? Yeah. So they have the set of twins, of one boy, one girl. Um, Miles Brown, um, he plays uh, Jack, and then uh, Mar- Marissa Martin, she plays uh, Diane. Um, hmm. Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, And they're pretty young actors, but I think either one of them, or even both of them, make it like a brother-sister thing. That's why, why didn't they try that? Like, just like two siblings mm-hmm. stuck home alone. That would be fun. So I was. then you'd have to have like 30 criminals trying to break in, <laughs> Agent Smith style. Just fending them off with a bow staff. Yeah. Back to back. <laughs> They're throwing the used guns to the ground and pulling new ones. Yep. Yeah. It's called the Spy Kids, really. <laughs> oh, man. Do you remember that time when I was like trying to describe to you a movie idea and it was just literally Spy Kids? <laughs> like, and IMDb linked to Spy Kids. <laughs> it would basically be Spy Kids. Yeah, it would be exactly that. But I would like to see that. So I would cast them... Um, either as a brother and sister or either one of them up for the role of Kevin. Um, mm-hmm. I would love, you know who would be really great together as a duo? Mm. Key and Peel. Oh my gosh. That's great. Yeah. Like I would, <laughs> I think they would be great as like a Marv because I would just want them to, here's the thing. I would want it to be, uh, then to be Marv and Harry, but they have to just improvise all their lines. They're yeah. <laughs> just, Everything is just off of the top of their head. It's just like one long, really great improv scene. <laughs> I would, I'd love the characterization to be tweaked a little too, where Key is playing like how he plays a lot of characters, where it's like very put together and a little uptight and high strung, but then Peel kind of acts like he's tougher than he really is. Yeah. Uh, like he keeps alluding to hard time that he's done, but he really has never gone to jail yeah. for anything ever. And they're just small time criminals. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a good dynamic. Oh, that would be so great. I would love that. Uh, man, who else? That would be so great. David Allen Greer. I saw David him Greer recently on uh match game. Uh, I'm just like, Oh yeah, he'd be oh. great. I think Samuel L. Jackson would be really fun, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Even if they did like uh, a sequel where Kevin's all grown up, I'd love to see if Daniel Stern didn't want to do it. Again, would love to have Daniel Stern. Mm-hmm. But do like Samuel L. Jackson and Joe Pesci. <sighs> like That's his new partner. Dream team. Yeah, bring back the Goodfellas crowd again. <laughs> oh, I would also love to see Samuel L. Jackson as old man Marvin. Because <laughs> he's just... <laughs> Even just like Samuel L. Jackson, just stoically just looking at people, just yeah. looks like he's just swearing at you. <laughs> Actually, Larry Hankin would be a great old man Marley. Oh, now. he really would. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Oh. It's kind of the same look that he had in Breaking Bad. Yeah. I I also think Jonah Hill would be um, pretty awesome to step into the John Candy role. Oh, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Either him or um Seth Rogen. Uh I think 
little bit long way, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I was mostly thinking Josh Gad. Oh, well, yes. Because I think Josh Gad would really bring the improvised nature to it uh, where he can be pretty heartfelt. Like how John Candy's whole speech about leaving the kid at the funeral home, like that was totally improvised. Yeah, all his lines were improvised. Oh, that's right. And he shot in a single day. It was like 23 hours of straight shooting, which is just nuts. It's a long day. But I uh, I think Josh Gad could really bring some heart to that. Oh, totally. I do wonder what Home Alone would be like if it wasn't set at Christmas time. Like if they Ooh. just did a, a summer vacation, like um, like Kevin goes Hawaiian or something like that. Uh huh. Yeah. He has to defend their summer home. Yeah. It's my lake house, and I'll defend it. <laughs> like jet ski antics. Yeah. Well, I think it would be harder to justify everyone being out of town. Yeah, I don't think everyone travels for like summer, right? Because like, because I know a lot of adults like still have to work. Yeah, but I think the McAllisters that can afford to travel fourteen people to Paris, then uh, they can take a summer trip, yeah. <laughs> or even if it's like a road trip and he gets left at a gas station or something, like Little Miss Sunshine style, uh... where they're all crammed into the van and he gets left behind because he like used the bathroom too long or something. Because mm-hmm. he was behind Fuller in line, and Fuller took forever. Yep. I never realized that was Kieran McCulkin. Sure was. It's yeah. his brother. Hey, brother. I will say, as a side note, as we transition towards the end of this episode, um, this movie is really special to me, just because it is the first movie that I ever saw in a theater. No way. Yeah, super nostalgic when I watched this. Wow. Do you remember like where you sat and everything? I I think it was a a, a chair. <laughs> I remember it being dark, except for one wall, which had the movie on it. <laughs> those are the main details. Yeah. <laughs> I I do remember being very confused as as I walked in because I had never been in a space like that. Yeah, just where like other strangers are congregating as well. Yeah, I was like, this is like an enormous living room. Yeah. It's like, wait, why are all these people here? But that's that's always what I think of when I think of Home Alone was my first theater experience. Now we're going to go into our final segment of the show, which is where we give our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Home Alone? It's a tight script with some really touching moments mixed with some very funny performances. Um, we really didn't mention her a lot in this podcast but Catherine o'hara is fantastic um you really feel like the stress and the panic um that would be caused from a parent like leaving a kid an eight-year-old kid home alone and when i watched it as a kid i identified obviously more with kevin but watching it now you kind of get a, a broader sense of what everybody is going through um, even old man Marley to a certain degree, like you really feel for him. He's not just this scary character. He's a very sympathetic hero in the end. Um, and so I recommend it because even if you've seen it before, it's one of those movies where the context really does change, uh, as you progress through life. Um, but just from, from a movie standpoint, uh, I would watch it for the script. Absolutely. Like this movie 
it, it really does. Like, as you get older, you start to relate more to other characters. I think this is the first time where, like, I understood um, the parents' perspective of it. Because um, mm-hmm. I know usually this is a movie where people like to say, like, how could you really leave a kid behind? But just, like, I mean, you have a huge family and, like, all the little things that, like, went wrong but went right um, for that situation to present itself was just so perfectly timed. And it's, like, I wrote down in my notes, it's almost like watching a dance, like like mm-hmm. a script writing dance. It's just, like, everything has its, like, time and rhythm. It ebbs and flows, and it's just... Like, I would recommend it, again, for the story. If you're looking for such a really tightly written story um, with a lot of heart and meaning, as well as, like, a a lot of fun and action. Like, it just, it, it really does have everything. And yeah. I can't think of um, a modern-day Christmas tale that is told as originally or as poignantly. Because, like, they, they, t- they teach you this lesson about family without explicitly saying... Well, we learned that family's really what's important. Like you, you see, you see that it's important to him. He mm-hmm. learns the value of his family, and that even though he fights with them, that they are important to him. And that was was just impressive. It was just impressive to watch. So I recommend it for the script, the story, the heart, and Christmas, especially if you're in Poland. <laughs> And for those naysayers who say it's not very realistic, I would challenge that because I have sprinted down the terminal at O'Hare International Airport as they're closing the door, and it was exactly like that, except the ticket agent was not as nice about it. (laughs) Did we miss it? Oh, get in. (laughs) Just in time. I was putting my belt on as I was running. Uh well, that is our review of Home Alone. Let us know what you fondly remember of Home Alone, what your favorite moments are. Share it with us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And uh, leave us a review of our review of Home Alone on iTunes. You can head on over there. Um, on a scale of one to five screaming Macaulay Culkins, um, <laughs> how would you say this uh, review stacks up or also i'm i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say on a scale of one to five home alones like which home alone the first one being the best <laughs> the fifth one probably being the worst um on a scale of those how do you think i guess home alone one or two would be pretty high up there and then everything else it's just a sliding scale we hope it's one or two we really do also, I would be interested to hear how uh, everybody would defend their home with household objects. Oh, yeah. What would you do? So bring out your twisted side and <laughs> just let's let's MacGyver some weapons. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, this is our last review of 2016. Thank you so much for listening for this year or For however long you've been listening, this has been a fun time for us. Uh, We're going to take a winter break, but we will see you all in the new year right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. 